So we hear this often in the Bible about the greatest commandments and loving God and loving your neighbor. And I've always stated that really you could roll those two up into the greatest of all, which is do the will of God. Because loving God and loving your neighbor, of course, is the will of God. And so I wanted to look at this. And so what is happening here is the, the scribe has tested Jesus, the scribes here, are testing Jesus to see if he would show any disregard for the law of Moses. So it was another one of their traps, you could say, because some laws were about God and some were about their neighbor or about man, but they were always separate. Even the Ten Commandments are separate. The first three commandments are about God. To put him first, he is your only God. To not use his name in vain. To keep holy the Lord's day or the Sabbath. This is regarding God. Then the rest of the commandments are about man, about our neighbor. Now, they were always recognized as a moral foundation of Judaism, but really they're about moral foundation now of Christianity and even Islam, surprisingly. Really, this is, is the natural law. So everybody will be judged by the natural law, whether what religion you are, or if you've ever heard of Christ or not. And so where do the Ten Commandments come from? Okay, this is an interesting thing you may have heard me say before. The Ten Commandments come from Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Now, here's what's interesting. You will often hear non-Catholics say, you Catholics eliminated the second commandment. You took out, you removed the second commandment. Can somebody please tell me what the Bible says what the second commandment is? It doesn't. The Bible does not number the commandments. You know, there's actually 14 prohibitions. The Bible does not number the Ten Commandments. It does not say the second commandment is. It does not say that. So the Catholics, we have used the tradition of St. Augustine and the way that he put them in order, and the Protestants use the Greek fathers. They just happen to be slightly different, but all are encompassed. So, for instance, let's look at the second commandment that you Catholics removed, that you shall not have graven images. Actually, that's not the second commandment. Exodus 20, verse 4, talks about the prohibition of grave images for the purpose of worshiping them. Otherwise, you can't have anything because God commanded Moses to carve the cherubim and the cherubim to place them on the Ark of the Covenant. Those are graven images. Moses was also commanded to have the bronze serpent carved and put upon the pole out in the desert to be able to be looked upon by the Israelites to heal them when they would look upon it. That's a graven image. So the Bible does not prevent graven images. It prevents graven images for the purpose of worshiping them, like the golden calf. But you Catholics removed the second commandment. You took it out so you could worship your graven images. Secondly, we don't worship graven images. In fact, we have that, um, the, we, we had put out the video of the image looked like it appeared to be Mary in the, in the monstrance, or Mary in the Eucharist, 
at a Marian Eucharistic Congress at a conference I did in California. And I've come back and said, I am, I'm not claiming to know definitively where that image came from, if it's natural or supernatural uh, reflection, or she was on the glass, or she was on the Eucharist. I don't know. It's not been analyzed by the bishop. But here's what this, something's very interesting we just saw a couple days ago, and I would like to, to mention this. One lady was sitting in the pew that was in front of the monstrance, and she took a series of photographs, and the photographs are actually time-stamped. So she has a photograph at, this is p.m., 9.25 p.m., 9.36 p.m. She had a photograph at the exact position of the monstrance at 9.58 p.m., and she has some timestamps. She was just taking pictures as she went because it was beautiful there in the adoration. All of a sudden, at 10 o'clock, that same position, that same woman in the same pew, in the same position, took the photograph, and now Mary was appearing. So if it's a reflection, and it could be, it just seems odd that the first several pictures that were timestamped, there was no image, and then the second, it hit 10 o'clock, there was an image. Now, why do I bring this up? Because I got so many letters, stop worshiping a graven image. First of all, nobody said we were worshiping that image of Mary, whether it's a reflection or she was really on that Eucharist. We're not worshiping it. Worship must include sacrifice. You do not have worship without sacrifice. So when people see Mary statue in the church and people are going down and bowing their head and saying a prayer, to pray does not mean to worship. To pray means to ask. To worship means to offer sacrifice. Have you ever seen a Catholic in front of a statue of Mary slaughtering a calf? Have you ever seen a Catholic in front of Mary offering burnt offerings and sacrifices? No. We do not offer sacrifice to these statues, they represent just like your picture. One letter I got says, don't tell me you don't worship those images. I've seen you Catholics kiss them. That proves you worship them. Well, my answer is, have you ever kissed a picture of your parents? You better honor them. It's a commandment. Have you ever kissed a picture of your children? Of course you have. I've had people come up to me with cell phones and show me the picture of their son. Please pray for him, Father. He, he tried to take his life, and I will bless. I always ask, show me a picture when people come up to me, they, and, and they say, Father, please pray for my daughter. She's sick. She has cancer. I always ask, do you have a picture? And when they pull the picture out, I bless it. Am I blessing the glass and the pixels? No, it's what it represents, the person. But I'm also not worshiping that person. And so that image of Mary, whether it's a reflection or she really appeared on the Eucharist or it's on the glass to Jesus through Mary, whatever it is, we're not worshiping it. We're not offering sacrifice to it. And, and it's the same as a picture on your desk. So we're in the second commandment. If you Catholics removed it, you could not have graven images. We changed the Ten Commandments. No, it's very simple. For the Catholics, not worshiping graven images falls in the first commandment. You shall have no other false gods before me. It's very simple. 
If you are worshiping graven images and offer them sacrifice, you don't need a second commandment for that. That's all encompassed in the very biggest first commandment. So we Catholics put a greater emphasis on not worshiping graven images than the Protestants. They made it their second commandment. Catholics have it as our first commandment. No, it isn't, Father, you changed the Ten Commandments. It's not numbered in the Bible. So under our first commandment, we have, you shall not have any false gods. And if we're worshiping a graven image, that's having a false god. And so if we know our faith better, we can explain it better, we can love it better. We, we can't love what we don't know. And so Catholics... <clears throat> They have different, slightly different numbering, but it maintains exactly the same meaning. They are all linked together to form a coherent whole, all right? Jesus freed people from keeping the burdensome law. The Jewish law had 613 regulations, 613. Now, if you read Exodus and Deuteronomy, they have actually 14 and we put it into 10 commandments. And now Jesus is coming and saying, I'm really making it two commandments, love God and love your neighbor. And I really believe you could take those and make them one. Do the will of God. So instead of promoting one command over the other, Jesus here defines the law in his essence. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, no one, no one until Jesus put these two commandments together all right, and made them one. The Jews had kept them separate. Okay, you ever hear the Shema? Very important. All right, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. This comes from Deuteronomy 6.4. And the real creed of Judaism, this is their creed, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. When Jesus quoted this sentence as the first commandment, every Jew there would have agreed with him. But here's where it gets interesting. Then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this wouldn't have surprised them because this was Leviticus 19.18. All right, but Jesus did something new. He did something radical. All right, in the original context, this to the Jews meant love your fellow Jew. Your neighbor was only your fellow Jew, all right? It would not have included the Gentile. It was permissible to hate them. So Jesus comes and quotes it now without qualification, without boundaries. So he took an old law and gave it a new meaning. Love God above all else. They understood that. Love your neighbor as yourself. They understood that. But they only understood it to meant their fellow Jew, now Jesus is saying, nope, including the Gentile, everybody. So religion to Jesus was loving God and loving men, all men. And so the only way in which a man could prove that he loves God is by showing he loves <clears throat> all people. This is mercy. Mercy is a particular mode of love that when love encounters suffering of another person, it takes action to do something about it. Loving man the way God loves us. And so mercy is what you get when you put these two commandments together. That's amazing. Father Chris, why did you join the Marian fathers? 
I joined the Marian Fathers because the two most important weapons of our day are Mary and Divine Mercy. And no other community in the world grasps that like the Marian Fathers. And so this is mercy, what you get when you put these two commandments together. You know, mercy, uh, our mercy apostolate, in addition to prayer, is important. We have to, don't just pray, we have to go out. And that's why we travel around the world bringing the message of the good news. Um, you know, St. Paul says, he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. And the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, and all others are summed up with you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When man is loved, St. Thomas tells us, God is loved because man is in the image of God. So even if you can't tolerate being in the same room with Aunt Millie, you do it for God. Because when you love your neighbor who's in the image of God, you're loving God. And so our love, our love of our neighbor, for God's sake, is clear proof that we love God. And if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. That's the scripture. And so I want to finish by saying, but be careful here, to don't go to the other extreme. This is common now today. You know, somebody so-and-so, my cousin or my neighbor or my nephew, doesn't believe in God, but he's really, really a good person and helps many, many people. I have no doubt he'll get to heaven. He has no use for church, doesn't pray, doesn't read the Bible, does not acknowledge the commandments, but he's such a good person. Well, we got to be careful here. If we love man for man's sake, without reference to God, you just love them for man's sake. You love man for man's sake and not reference to God. Kind of like, I used to laugh, the hippies. The hippies rejected God, but they were all about worship Mother Earth. Now we're starting to lose our way here. This love will become an obstacle to keeping the first commandment. Because you're putting all your emphasis on the second. Then it's no longer genuine love of our neighbor either because that has to be based in God. To love on the natural level. I'll do anything for you. I'm such a good person. I work in the soup kitchen. I donate to charity. But I have no use for the laws of God regarding definition of marriage or the sanctity of life or the sacraments of the church. It's in vain. It's in vain. And people don't realize this. To love on the natural level by itself is incomplete. To worship the Mother Earth and to worry about climate change without factoring in the need to worship the God who created the Earth, incomplete. We must love on the supernatural level, not just the natural level. It is not enough to just be a good person. It's not. Do you know Hitler loved little children and animals. Adolf Hitler, more, almost more than anyone else, his generals wrote, they have pictures of him feeding wild deer. He used to have conservation areas for the animals to run free. He loved little children, was seen taking pictures holding the little child. 
Adolf Hitler loved little children and loved animals. By the worldly sense, that's a good person. That's a really good person. But is that really how we should basis our view of Adolf Hitler? No. Because if you don't love man on the supernatural level, again, it's in vain. And so here we have, what do you do? You've got to remember mercy. It says it all. What is mercy? When your love of God is put into action by loving your neighbor. Now, it doesn't mean you can't disagree with your neighbor. It doesn't mean you can't hold your neighbor accountable. We also have that mistake in the world today. People begin to think that if you correct someone or hold them accountable, you're not being merciful. Actually, that is mercy. Admonish the sinner, but people call that now today hate. And so we have to do it in love, and mercy beautifully brings these two commandments together. Love God, and for his sake, you love your neighbor. And this is such an important message today in a world that is now turning away from God and is only trying to preach love your neighbor without any reference to the law of God. And when we do that, we don't have that foundation. It's building a house on sand. So praise be to God that we have our teaching and our faith that we do. And like I said, you can't love what you don't know. So the more we know and understand what God is teaching us here, the more we can love him, our neighbor, and our faith. God bless you. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.